To Star Wars Escape Pod and uh, our next after show for and or episode 10, One Way Out. We've got Blake and Kirk joining us today in the Escape Pod to chat about that and uh, break down everything that happened in this episode and a little bit of Star Wars news, latest stuff on the podcast, and, uh, and a bit more. So let's get into it. First try. There we go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. First try. I I got I, I got to play something here, which this is all I could think about when when I was watching this episode. Right. Recognize it. The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh, out of, out of the, the, the Lazarus pit or whatever they call it, the well. Yeah, yeah, rising from the pit scene. Yeah, when they're when they're uh, chant, chanting off that Downstairs. that um, uh, thingy, that, that little. Uh, Downstairs. Basement. Oh, oh man, someone's got their robot going off. <laughs> someone's yeah, breaking in. It's my, it's my security thing. So they always let the dog out. Carry on. Oh, is that <laughs> it? <Not bad. laughs> I thought I thought it was uh, I thought it was another breach in the escape pod. <laughs> yeah, because uh, then we have this AI program for the, in the escape pod to warn us when people go out the hatch. Oh man, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, all I could think about was Dark Knight Rises and that whole that whole sequence with with uh, Bruce Wayne trying to climb out of the pit, and and I was like, yeah, this is this is very reminiscent, you know, like lots of shots of like them climbing, like just like rising up, right? Uh, a lot of the prisoners kind of just like, yeah, it was it was just a cool kind of like parallel there, and I was like, yeah, that's that's good, that's vi- good visual storytelling, uh, just like rising. So it should have been titled Cat. Cassian rises. <laughs> Cassian rises. <Right? laughs> 
<laughs> prisoners rises. I don't know. Rise of the prisoners. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, this is the prison break episode that we, uh, you know, as, as, as usual, actually, you know, spoilers for, you know, anyone who hasn't seen episode 10, but, uh, <laughs> this is the prison I mean, break episode. We just spoiled the whole episode. Yeah. That's really yeah. all that happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right, I guess, well, I guess that's the podcast. We can call it here. Yeah, Thanks exactly. for everyone for joining. Right. Like, go down. That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's right. All right, everyone. That was, that was a good episode. <laughs> everyone have a good Escape. evening. Thank- the people who could swim, they survived. The people who couldn't, they didn't. <laughs> yeah, Not yeah. Too soon. Yeah, Kino, Kino drowns that everybody. Poor guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, what? Just, I mean, it makes sense because. <laughs> go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna keep. Oh no! I, I was just gonna say, like, <laughs> gonna like just say. like off the bat, what, uh, what, like, what were your just initial thoughts for like these this episode, right? Because like, you know, finally it happened. Prison break. Yeah, at, at last. What's funny is through a lot of the prison break scene, I'm like, why are they not putting on the boots? They turn on the floor, they gotta put on the boots. And they never did. I, I <laughs> was a thinking, long time with them, like, risking it. I was thinking the same thing. Like, they were arming themselves with the blaster rack, but none of them grabbed the pair of boots just in case any of those officers, like, turned on the floor. But Exactly. I guess it wasn't really necessary until they cut the power, but I mean, like they could have put them on as a precaution before, as they were trying to get to the you know, yeah. prison control room, right? So well, like, that's cool. the first thing I would have done if I was there. That I will say that one detail kind of broke my immersion just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and the one other thing as well too. Like, I, I mean, great that they got out and all, but uh, they didn't use that that tool that all the implants the prison had in their in their necks. They didn't just activate them, I guess, to cause them to fall to the ground. Well, I wonder what happened with that. Yeah, um, yeah. You got any any thoughts on that, Blake? So the thing on the neck, I thought it was just the floor. Because I remember when they first went into the, uh, they first went into the prison, or they arrived, and they clicked the button. Like the guys, like if you step yeah. out of line, was that the floor? Or was that? I think or was that the? Floor. The... That was an example right, of them right. turning the floor on, so they knew what was going on. Yeah, I, said, I see. And it was only level one. It goes up to three. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And we didn't get to see what level three was. I think that's probably when they step out at, at night and they die. That's my guess. Yeah, <laughs> I just I, didn't say it. I, I think so. Maybe that's only two. Well, someone kills Maybe himself. Three is they they just explode. Three, three, I think I think someone someone kills himself in like the last episode, right? Like they they just they've had enough, so they step out onto the floor at the in the night and they they just you know they get fried. That's right. So I think I think that's what happens like on the max levels. That is just is just so lethal that. Uh, you know, that's it, right? Um, Makes sense. Andor finally convinces Kino that the Empire is afraid of uh, the prisoners, so that they they can um, uh, they they need to escape while they can, right? And Andor is telling the others like what they found out about the entire floor being fried, and Kino hits a breaking point. So, like, I was just curious, like, what do you guys like think of you know this whole pattern with breaking points and all that stuff? I think this episode was absolutely like masterfully crafted and, and really had the backbone of all the other episodes that came before it. So we had like, I think two prison episodes in total on Narkina five and that combination of how stressed we felt by feeling really claustrophobic and everything in there just made this whole escape and, and everything super satisfying. And 
I really, I really feel, um, I, I was lo- listening to quite a lot of interviews with Andy Serkis, um, about this episode in particular, and he was talking quite a bit about what it was actually like on the sets of these, uh, uh, on the real sets of these, um, of these prisons. And all the cast members felt like really like genuinely had a distaste and didn't want to be in there for that long. And that's why I felt, I think this was such an awesome episode because again, we haven't had that much action. It was more just tense action throughout, but this was like a big payoff to all of that and really felt like, uh, there was a there was just like a massive feeling of a rebellion rising, I guess, mm-hmm. afterwards. And uh, yeah, it was honestly one of the most satisfying moments watching them all get out. Shortly lived by what happened right at the end, I guess. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was great, and I, I think they've um, I think it was necessary for them to have all those other previous prison break. Oh, sorry, not prison break, just the prison episodes beforehand. Right. No, I agree with that. I I, I do think it wouldn't have been as much of a, a delivery if they had cut short on just the the ambiance of living in the prison and just the levels of stress and the fact that these guys they they were just so driven by the carrot of like they they could see their number going down every day eventually they're going to get out until they find out it's all a lie mhm yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. This kind of this break almost like uh, the prison break in itself didn't really remind me of a prison break. It almost reminded me of like a zombie apocalypse, but all the prisoners <laughs> were like zombies, kind of trying to run up the walls and everything. And uh, it was great. It was yeah. like I was I was cheering for the zombies in this case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with all the red bit. lights, the the dim environments, and yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, yeah. It was all very, uh, very, very apocalypse kind of feeling for sure. Uh, Man, I gotta say, it's just a massive oversight having such a few amount of guards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I guess you know, budget cuts. The empires probably—they're not known for overspending where they need to. They—they they gotta save money to build two Death Stars, right? So they gotta save cash where they can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah totally. Uh, I guess this is a great example of like the overconfidence of the empire as well. So like they had all the tech in the facilities, and I'm looking and watching these episodes, being like, these guys can't escape. But it just took like a little bit of, you know, ingenuity with the floor and the water. And then uh, they were good to go. Yeah. yeah. Did they, I'm surprised they even knew that, that would work. Because I was trying to figure out why they were going to break that water pipe in the first place. So I guess it's an electrical current. But wouldn't yeah, that just make they, it worse? <laughs> yeah. They, they did that beforehand. Like, like for, didn't they start trying to crack open that pipe a couple episodes beforehand? I think they did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, because what I noticed they just as the floor got turned on, most of the people jumped up onto the tables. the The water sparked, and then some like some of the prisons looked like they got fried because of the water, but then others it looked like yeah, yeah, others like just, I guess it kind of passed. I guess yeah, I guess it shorted it out and then like fried the system. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. But the fact that they were able to figure that out, like, I don't think they ever mentioned that as the plan. So I will admit, leading up to this, I because we were seeing Cassian working on cutting the the pipe, and it, it looked like they were all kind of taking turns working on it. But for a long time, I didn't really know what they were doing, like what the plan was. Yeah. Like once it's open, then what? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I had the feeling as well. It's like, how, how did they even come up with the idea that this is going to work by frying the, the, the floor tech? Because, you know, if you have an underwater prison, 
you'd expect a lot of things to be waterproof, right? <laughs> like water <laughs> resistant. True. I mean, I just thought That's it was a, little, point. yeah, it's just like kind of dummy proof. Like, I mean, if you're building a, an underwater base of any kind, it's like, there's good chance that this whole facility is going to have a resistance to water. And we've seen it yeah. in, in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show as well. When, when one of the windows cracks open, the blast doors just shut like automatically. Right. And it's like, that's the way that the building responds. And I, I was just a little surprised that the water actually had any kind of impact on the buildings, like, uh, structure or tech at all. Was like, it underwater though? Cause I showed the aerial shots with all, all the wide angles and stuff with all the bridges and they were, they were, they were above water. The whole thing was a giant water dam, right? It's so like, a, well, it's like so if you were to take like a hydropower. If if you were to take a cup and like dip it in a bathtub, right? Like the inside is dry, yeah, but it's yeah, surrounded right. by water, right? And then the surface on the surface, that's where the entry point is. So it's like a it's well, like a cave that they. I don't even think it's that. Like I, I think the whole thing sticks out of the water like a building, and then there's several like the whole facility. At least the layer we were on was above above water, but the building itself, at some level, would would be submerged. Yeah, like the, like the the lower levels and stuff. I think are are below sea level. Like that's that's just I my suspicion. Were, I think they said there were five levels in total. Yeah. I can't remember, but there was definitely eight. yeah, there was definitely some parts that were below water. But obviously, like as they were jumping out of the uh, of of the facility, there was definitely like a drop. So there was definitely uh, parts of the facility that were above water. That's for yeah. sure. I mean, it would have been pretty funny if Andor cut that pipe and there was no water in there. It was like a, it was like a wire, <laughs> wires, and everything. Oh like, no! It's like that's the, that's the that's now, the, uh, the gas tube instead. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it was like there's like hot plasma in there. They all just get fried. Yeah. Up. <laughs> oh no! It was the fuel line. Oh man. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we're left with the feeling in this episode that we're just like sick of this place. Right. And, uh, the, it, it, uh, the characters are clearly sick of this place as well. You know, seeing as like they get to the point of like, okay, we're done here. We're getting out whether we die or not, you know, this is happening kind of thing, which, which is uh, really cool. Marvel's place is being watched by the ISB and by Cinta. Um, it was such a brief part of this episode that I didn't know really what to put. Because I guess, like, in my opinion, they could have just cut that whole scene and not had it in this episode at all. And that would have been fine. Like, I think it's fine to just go back to those characters later. But um, but they made an effort to put a scene in this episode where Cinta, the, one of the rebels from that uh, heist, and an ISB officer are both watching Marva's house, right? Um there's also a scene in which there's a doctor who is brought to the aid of Marva by somebody else claiming that she's not taking her meds. So I don't know if we're supposed to get this little insight into kind of what her health is like right now. Maybe Andor's not going to see her again. Like maybe by the time he gets back to Ferrix, she's going to be dead, right? Um, so maybe that's what that was supposed to be all about. Uh, I don't know, but... Um, Blake, I, I guess, do you have any suspicions about like what was going on there? Yeah, maybe they're doing that. I could also see them setting up um, something happens and he goes back. He's forced to go back there, even though he's likely to get caught. And then he's going to like just catch her and she's she's going to be like, 
You have to fight for the rebellion. Uh, and then she dies and then he's like oh i have to fight for the rebellion and like that's how they get into rogue one like there's like time jumps yeah you know what i mean right because at this point he has worked with the rebellion like for the heist but you could tell he has no plan to go back and him going to prison he obviously knows he's the empire more but i can't see that being enough to push him to think the rebellion is the right way to go about it Mm. so i think yeah, she's. We've got two episodes left, so there's going to be. It's probably going to be a three episode arc, and they're going to force us to wait till the next season for the third one. I think that's what they're going to do. But mm-hmm. uh, I think he's going to have to go back to help her for some reason, and it's going to involve the rebels because she. We know that she is a rebel, and she is going to die, and that's going to be how he joins the rebellion. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, you think that's going to be his his breaking point for joining the rebellion? I guess, I, right? I think so because yeah. we know that's his weak point, right? Is her because that's really his only family, and he is pretty disattached to everything else. Like mm-hmm. that's that's really his only connection to anyone or anything in the galaxy at this point. Yeah. Other than that, he just wanted wanted money, right? So right. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, so Kirk, we, uh, we meet Dabo, Davo finally, and, um, he suggests a prearranged marriage between Mon Mothma's daughter and his son. Um, again, going back to the breaking points, what's she going to do on behalf of the rebellion? Right. Um, and do you, do you have any thoughts on like that whole conversation that took place that, that whole like scene? Yeah, I, I think this was a wonderful scene. Like, it did a few things for me. Like, number one, it explained, like, why Mon Mothma is so not really interested in, in her husband. I, at least this is the first time I picked up on that. Obviously, being in an arranged marriage and their culture or, or religion uh, was a big reason to um, why there's such a really weird relationship between the two of them. And it also obviously ties in, like, why the, the daughter is, is so important in the show. Up until this point, I think the daughter was really just kind of been a bit of a catalyst, I guess, for why um, the father and Mon Mothma don't really get along that well. But it's great, awesome writing, I feel. like They've put her in as a big moving forward story point. And I can't remember what the gangster was called or what that guy was called. I think you just said it there. Yeah, his before, first, first name is um, Davo, yeah. Yeah, Davo. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's absolutely right. I think Whoa. that she. I think she's going to make the decision to to do something with 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 the daughter or or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like she doesn't want to do that, but I, I think she's at least considering it mm-hmm. for sure. And whether or not we'll see what she does in this season, I'm not too sure. But I think it was just really good that they were able to um, create or bring in this this character Davo and and have it reference or at least give a bit more weight to Mon Mothma's family and it just shows that she's putting more and more on the line and going out of her comfort zone in order to set up this charity I guess in the end so yeah like I think it adds another a great kind of layer to the story as well as um obviously what was happening at the prison break and yeah just I agree with what Blake was saying before in, in terms of all that I just don't I just don't feel like that scene cutting to her you know being sick was uh, was as necessary as uh, as as this whole sequence inside the um inside her house yeah yeah I um I thought I thought I, I it was such a good 
you know, well-written scene. And, um, uh, you know, it's a great point to bring up for sure that, that, yeah, her cold marriage with her husband is kind of probably a result of the prearranged stuff. And, you know, I, I, you can kind of clearly see on her face, like she doesn't really wish that for her daughter at all, but, uh, you know, she is, she is at a loss of what to do, right? Like she needs this money to really kind of keep the rebellion going. Is her daughter's happiness kind of like the price to pay, I guess, for, you know, what she it needs was to so do? Tense. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like it was, it was so tense. And like, especially the, obviously they're super rich and wealthy and they live a lot better life than a lot of other people do in the galaxy. But she even said like everything in her house is like empire issued and she's not, she can't change anything. Like I would have thought it was completely her like decor and everything. And I'm no interior designer, so I don't really care about this. Mm -hmm. But I think that quick line that they put in there with that conversation was again, more illustrative that like the empire has control from everything from down to like the poor areas of society all the way up to, to the top or at least the, the politicians, uh, albeit. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I think that she will give up something. Technically, the guy did just say that they only needed to do an introduction, so nothing really needs to happen, but I feel like that's not exactly what would end up happening. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it seemed weird to me that, like, obviously we're from a culture without arranged marriages, but she grew up with this culture of arranged marriages mm -hmm. and that she isn't even willing to see him out to that, to like fulfill the the rebellion to me, like get money to them seems like, yeah, I don't know. It, it seems like that shouldn't be that big of a deal. They're <laughs> playing out to be a bigger deal than it is from her cultural perspective. I guess I would explain it as and I was, I was watching it just, just a little while ago here and my brother-in-law because we started talking about this and he said like like why wouldn't she do it like the rebellion is this huge thing and like could save millions of lives and could take down this this evil empire that's just getting power like they're, they're just gripping power tighter and tighter and she's just not willing to just have her kid get married like yeah. It seems like it's it's such a, a minute trade, you know. I I think like the biggest kind of down the, the biggest thing for her is like she looks at this guy and despises him, right? Like like the he's the, a thug. Yeah, yeah the mention of him, him in the last episode, she was like, you know, she was just kind of gobsmacked that that his name kind of comes up as an answer to her problems, right? So for her to kind of take her own daughter and just marry her off to this guy's son, I guess is a real, you know, a real doozy. Right. And yeah, it was just like, I thought it was really funny that that's just kind of who this guy is. He's like, I've got no interest in money. Like, I just want my kid to be set up with someone who's like established and like comes from a good home and like a good family. You know, clearly he's got respect for Mon Mothma. Yeah, Mary up. Yeah, right? clearly because he respects Mon Mothma a lot for him to actually even suggest this over money. I don't even instead, know right? if it's that. I think it's more than his, like, think of royalty, uh, like medieval ages and everything, right? Like, you would use your kids as bartering chips and you have them marry other, uh, like, princesses queen you know kings whatever mm -hmm. and that would give you political power and i think that's what he's after here yeah yeah very well could be for sure could be it could be trying to get into the political game and and have a senator so on his exactly so then he'll have some leverage there uh i mean we, if he is underhanded like mon mothma as claimed then and he 
does dodgy things like we already know that's why they reached out to him in the first place he's not too worried about following the rules then he's probably going to be trying to uh persuade some political opinion for maybe some unsavory people right um we uh, got an easter egg in this episode in luthan's shop once again we have uh, padme's headpiece showing up which is uh kind of interesting it was the headpiece that she wore in uh i think it was attack of the clones and it's like that golden kind of um thing that she wears it's like a hat or whatever uh it's like a disc on the on the head so uh, i'm pretty sure that was hers uh but otherwise if not it looked very similar but i'm pretty sure that was an easter egg so that was kind of uh, maybe it's just Nabubian. Yeah, exactly. A Nabubian. <laughs> uh, and when um, here's another thing. When Andor and Kino get to prison control, you know, they find this weasel kind of guy behind the big voice mic PA system. And all I could think of was, uh, you know, the Wizards of Oz. Right. You know, the, the Wizard of Oz, just just this little guy behind you know the 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 big kind of booming yeah, booming pulling voice, the strings right? behind the curtain yeah 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 so and we've seen that we've seen that before as well in 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 a clone wars arc as well which is kind of funny but uh kino instructs you know the prisoners to kind of get out of their cell help everyone out the you know, andor kind of pushes him to give this kind of speech right and um, I think it's like, I, I don't know what it is about Kino. I really like Kino's character. I love Andy Serkis. I, I like this character a lot because like, too. yeah, they're really taking him in a, in a, a direction that would insinuate that this is the kind of guy that, that would clearly join the rebellion now that he's been through what he's been through. He's got good reason for, for fighting back. Right. And um, it would suck to just kind of get an episode in which he's confirmed to have just drowned after jumping off the prison thing. That would really suck. Could you imagine? <laughs> I really hope they don't do that. I think we'll either see him in the prison again doing something or we'll see him in a float t- floaties or something and he's going to be swimming away. I, d- I don't know. But I could yeah. see I could see it. Well, we don't see him again. And then for this season, like maybe the end of next season or something, they cross paths and they find out he like couldn't swim. And then they like captured him and then he managed to escape later and like updates Cassian, like what's going on. And like mm-hmm. maybe he'll be like missing an eye and then, like they tortured him and stuff afterwards. I could totally see something like that. And then it's just like hardened his resolve. Or, or the, um, I think we'll see him next season. I, I honestly feel like I don't want to say it, but I feel like we may not see him again until... Right another season or, or something I, I would prefer to see him sooner but who knows it kind of just felt like that was it and then uh and then he and then Andor kind of ran off he didn't even go back for he him got or pushed. anything he got pushed off from the crowd yeah he got yeah. pushed off but like when he was on the beach like it didn't seem like it didn't seem like he waited there and like shouted up at him or they didn't do like that type of scene. So like waiting for him no, to come back down over all that. And they just yeah, cut to he, him like running away. Right. They're like, you see helicopters in the background. They're trying to find everyone. That's right. So I, I feel like he, he's, he's still in the prison and, and nothing, nothing really happened, which is I not too, but yeah. Um, Kino, that that's the, 
um, Andy Serkis' character's name right, he, he really reminded me of Caesar, like from Planet of the Apes, and especially the. the <laughs> There's last a reason one. for that. I mean, it is he, his character, but especially when he went onto the mics and like they'll try to get get all the apes out of the prison. Yeah, Obviously, it's not the same thing, but like <laughs> it's, it's like I've it's, done this before. It's yeah. pretty much this. Yeah, it's, it, funny. it's honestly the same thing because like when he's a Caesar, he he's he's also breaking apes out of the prison, right? So like yeah. That's right. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be like one way out, apes together, strong. Apes together, strong. Yeah, that that explains so much because when they were running the final like stretch there to get to the where the water was at, he kept like running on his knuckles. I was trying to figure out why. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I saw a flying banana somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, I think I might saw that too. Somewhere in the multiverse. Yeah, yeah, somewhere there. There we go. That's got to be it. Um, in this episode, Luthen feels way darker than he ever has before. Uh, he's he's kind of presented as a bit of a bit of an antagonist character when he has to meet Lonnie, who is a in in this episode we find out Lonnie is actually also a rebel who's been working six years in behind uh, the ISB curtain. Uh, as a spy for Luthen's network, and he's uh, had to sacrifice time and risk his own life. He's got a family, you know. So he comes to Luthen, and he's kind of just giving every reason for for him not to be part of it anymore. Just saying that like, this is it. I'm giving you as much as I can, and I'm gonna leave. And you know, Luthen kind of just comes back at him with like every single reason in the book that he's actually sacrificed more than anyone else and you know and he basically much like saw we we see he's kind of becoming an extremist right and he's he knows that he's damned for what he does yeah he says it and um you know no no matter how much Lonnie unburdens himself to Luthen who tells him that he thinks of constantly right uh Luthen thinks of Lonnie clearly as an asset not a friend and uh it's it's important to kind of like see the difference of 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 how how Luthen treats and and thinks of all the people that he works with for this rebel network over uh, their well being and safety and this and that obviously something that Mon Mothma quite the opposite you know when she's talking to her cousin she's like very concerned about her well I mean it is her cousin but at the same time it's like there's a bit of a difference there so. Uh, you know, uh, Kirk, maybe you got some thoughts about this whole sequence. We can start with you. If, if you got any thoughts on this whole Luthen lonnie conversation that took place. Yeah, I, I think, again, like Luthen's dialogue, I think that was one of the best monologues out of like oh, the whole yeah. show. And, and, and even in, in His acting in Star Wars, was phenomenal. There. It was in- incredible. And I actually had to watch it twice just because when I watched it the first time, there was a lot of kind of complex... I guess motifs and he wasn't explicitly saying what he had sacrificed until I kind of watched it again and and really understood it. And I think it was honestly a more well put together, um, I guess not um, speech about how the empire and this rebellion, like he said this quote, like I'm condemned to use the tools of my enemy against them. And that was like a really like a, a much more, I guess, sophisticated way of saying of, again, I keep going back to DJ's point in The Last Jedi, like, you know, it goes, good guys, bad guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, and the whole speech was all, all filled with that. And, um, I, I really, I really think it was a, a great way of just, if, if you're going to show someone like one scene in, in the show and they asked, you know, how's Star Wars and or different and more, I guess, adult 
versus um, any other kind of Star Wars show. Like this, this is probably the scene that I would show. Mm-hmm. On first viewing, it doesn't make any sense because you have to watch all the other episodes, of course. Right. But I think, uh, yeah, it, it, it really deepens Luthen's character. I really feel we'll see him um, in the next two episodes. Not too sure what will uh, what will happen. But I think, uh, yeah, this is definitely the scene that that really kind of cemented my belief in in Luthen being uh, a really key part of this rebellion rising and obviously highlighting that the rebellion is not really all fairy tales and hugs and kittens and stuff. Mm. Yeah, some great key points. Yeah, yeah. Blake, what about you? What, you, what were your thoughts when you heard this monologue? Uh, I as well didn't catch everything the first time. However, when he first was asked it, my first thoughts were everything. And then he said about 40 words and then, and then said, finally, everything. So I did get that part. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting, Kim, <laughs> kind of like getting into more detail. And he, he, the monologue there, as Kirk was saying, was phenomenal. Like I was just, even though I, I didn't catch everything he said, I was I was really drawn into the acting of the scene, and you mm-hmm. could kind of tell that he was he was trying to make it look like he was actually thinking about it in the moment, and I think that really came across because he kind of went into it was almost a bit of a ramble monologue of him like mentally going through all the things that he's done, and then finally coming to the conclusion like I've sacrificed everything, so like who are you to try to leave now? Mm-hmm. And this is this is a, a bit of a tangent. But at the beginning, the conversation between the ISB guy and him, I, I almost felt like the, he was going, he was talking to his son. Was that was that just me? I thought they were going to reveal that that was his son, Lonnie. Yeah, I did kind of. Yeah. Feel, I, I felt I felt there was some type of emotional connection there. Like the, there was at least. Uh, also, I f- I thought. Um, Lani was that guy in Rogue One that ran up to uh, the Mon Mothma with the mustache and everything, but it definitely was not him. But yeah, I kind of felt that. I feel like there was some type of uh, friendship or connection between the two of them. Interesting. Yeah, I really, I thought they were going to reveal, and they look like the actors, both of them looked a little bit similar. I would say that they had like similar noses, for example. That that would be an interesting so, surprise. That twist, you know, like if, later in the show to he, reveal. Yeah. Yeah. If like his son like became an ISB agent, or, like whether it was intentional to like have someone on the inside or not, I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, that'd be that'd be that'd be a cool twist. Yeah, but I, I they they didn't officially say that, but they didn't say it wasn't either. So <laughs> yeah, I I, in, I don't know. No, I, I, I'm definitely with you in the sense that um, the intensity of the scene, I think, was more grabbing than anything else. You just kind of get absorbed into the performance. This guy really spewing off like. I've delivered everything I can, you know, sacrificed as much as I can for this rebellion. And um, what really got me, though, out of everything he kind of said was um, how he's his he almost kind of insinuated that he knows how he's going to go go out. Right. Like he just kind of says, like, I'm, I'm damned for what I do. And uh, I just thought to myself, I think, yeah, like Saw feels probably the same way. Like Saw is one of those guys that clearly he is going, he's in this fight until he's dead kind of thing, right? Oh, man. And yeah, there's a lot of similarities between the two. And yeah. I've, I was going to mention, and I kind of forgot there, and maybe this is what you're getting at, but, like, the similarities between them are so close that I could actually see him becoming similar to, of an extremist as Saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And yeah, that, exactly. And so then that's why we, we don't see him in the rebellion later. It's just like Saw, he he either gets killed or is cut out. Yeah, and you know, and, and, and did meet up with Saul, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yes, and and they they seem to yeah they they ha- they know each other for sure. They don't seem to really get along quite well, but uh, but yeah, they they've they're. It's funny how similar they are because yeah, when we see Saw in Rogue One, he says something along the lines of, uh, uh, you know, like, "Go, Jin, I will run no longer." <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone's just fed up. Everyone's just done with this rebellion. Yeah, like, this is a good idea at the start, but now I'm just sick of it. Yeah, it he he lets that big, huge Jetta kind of explosion just wipe him out. Right? He's just tired of running. He's like, you know what? This is it. This is it for me. I've I've given everything I can possibly give. I can't breathe properly anymore. Like he's done so much in the name of rebellion that this fight's just it's somebody else's now right and that's kind of it's like him kind of metaphorically passing the torch to Jin to just keep it going right he's like save the rebellion save the dream so like you know he dies as a believer and uh and I think that Luthen is kind of like the same guy like he that he's just gonna go until he can't anymore and that's Luthen's story right and so it's him kind of reflecting on his life in the last 15 years, really kind of doing what he can to ensure that this rebellion is established. Uh, and it's, it's funny because uh, like I never really, before this show, I mean, Luthen didn't, didn't exist or didn't come up in any other stories. And I always thought that it just kind of formulated beneath Mon Mothma, Bail Organa, and the network that they'd set up. I didn't realize that there was going to be a third party person like Luthen who you know, he also very much involved, but kind of even more so it's like on the military front, really kind of planning these extra vicious moves against the empire, um, which really, really isn't Mon Mothma or Bail Organa's thing, right? And and it takes someone with a set of dirty hands to really kind of get some of the stuff done um, that maybe other people in higher up in the rebellion isn't prepared to do. And uh, it, it always it goes back to what um, what Andor says about you know in their last stand uh, before they all die on Scarif um, is we've all done terrible things in the name of the rebellion um, and uh, you know they all have kind of some kind of guilt um, even though they've done it for the general overall sense of doing good uh, they've done it uh, and and still kind of have some remorse as to who they've had to kill point blank or whatever. Right. They carry that baggage of what they've had to do for the greater good. Yeah. It's a weight, right? It's a weight. And, and I think in this moment with Luthen, like we see this weight just being like, it's like, like, you know, like his, his, uh, coworker, uh, um, Lonnie kind of dumps his massive potato sack on the ground. He says, you know, I'm finished. And then here comes Luthen. He's like, yeah, well I got a truckload of that behind me. Right. And I think it was just kind of like an interesting, like, oh, you think you want out? Like, I can't get out, right? And he kind of just ends off with saying, like, you're stuck, Loni. Like, you're you're not going anywhere. Uh, so, which made him kind of look a little bit more like a villain in a way, because, you know, he doesn't want Loni to leave. He needs that connection. He needs him in the ISB. And he knows that if Loni well, tries to leave... For multiple reasons. Yeah. yeah. He's an incredibly valuable asset. So, mm-hmm. of course, he's going to do everything he can to keep him. But at the same time, he's also a loose end. So, mm-hmm. can't let him out that for that reason either. 
Right, exactly. Yeah, if Lonnie leaves, you know, Luthen's got to kill him. Probably, it probably does the same thing that Basically. Andor does to that poor chap in the in the Ring of Kathreen. Um, so yeah, Andor's done a quite a bit of that. Like, obviously, he killed the uh, person or the two prison guards at the start of the uh, at the start of the show. Like, he killed the. I'm forgetting of all of those names because there's so many characters in the show. But oh, obviously, wow. once they yeah, once they finished the uh, the heist and he had to kill the other guy in cold blood because he wanted to just make off with the money, there was him. But then, who killed that prison guard when they were like inside of the Narkina Five, where the, one of them was like, "Oh yeah, what are you gonna do?" And then I think either Andor or Kino just turn around and shoot the other prison guard like straight out of cold blood. So like, that's really an ongoing theme again. <laughs> totally. Yeah, totally. Um, and, uh, and at the base of it all is really just this constant kind of, I'm doing this for the rebellion because I'm a rebel and you know, I'm, uh, <laughs> I've got a, a greater cause behind this and I had to kill that person because I can't get caught it or makes whatever. It e- easy to justify it. Right? Yeah. It's the easy way out. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and, you know, truth be told, it's something that, uh, that it, it, a lot of, obviously a lot of Jedi probably wouldn't do, but it's something that Anakin might do. Like I could totally see him killing people yeah. like just straight up like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is interesting. It's interesting to see kind of the effects that this has left on like someone like Lonnie, who's been doing it for six years. Like it, it, it weighs hard. Right. So that's something that this show has provided, which we don't really get to see with all the sparkly kind of victories that we get in the original trilogy when they just blow up the Death Star and do all these crazy things, right? It's like, oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. no, there's some so real, nice there's some real darkness. Yeah, it's like, no, there's some real darkness at the root of all of this. And, you know, it's, it's cool to kind of see that in this show. Um before we wrap it up here, Andor gets away. He gets, you know, he gets beached with somebody else. I, I don't know who he's with. It was a bit too dark to see. But any speculation for what's going to happen next? Well, I guess I'm wondering if they're going to start off with him trying to get off of that planet. I do think that there's going to be a three episode arc and the final episode is going to be next season. So they're going to leave us with a cliffhanger. Um, I just think that's inevitable. Have they confirmed yeah. the next season? I think so. Yeah, they have. I think yeah. Josh and I talked about that. Yeah, season two is confirmed to have uh, to take place after a time jump of two years or something. And uh, yeah, and it's it's going to be uh, in in kind of closer to that Rogue One um, time frame, I guess. You know, might actually even link up with that movie. I would also imagine so, that K2SO mm-hmm. will probably be in season two. I think that that might be like a realistic thing. To, yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. Get Alan Tudyk involved. Yeah. I always liked him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that as I was saying earlier, we're going to see him have to go back and save his stepmom. It would be too late. And whatever happens is going to cause him to join the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think season two is going to be about him learning to live life as a rebel and maybe do things that he never thought he would have to do. And that's going to lead into where we see him in Rogue One. That's yeah. my guess. Right. My wise prediction is that he'll go back to his planet to see his mum, but he'll just be 
out of time because his mum's been sold as a slave to other people and then he's going to go <laughs> kill a bunch of sand people. Oh, wait, no, that's the wrong. That's the wrong. Di- different character. episode two. Different episode two. <laughs> yeah, no, it's more likely um, she'll be bought from being a slave and then be married to a guy who's in a hover chair. <laughs> like, like some real back to the future really type specific. stuff. That's right. And the guy who uh, sold her will have previously known him, but now he'll have a hat. So it's a different. Oh yes. yeah, yeah. Um, we um, we have uh, we have some some brief other kind of news just to kind of hit uh, real quick is uh, a tweet from James Mangold, who is the director of Indie Five. Uh, there will be a first promotional material releasing within the next 30 days. And uh, I thought that was just worth sharing on the show because it's another Luke's film production. Uh, I know everyone's kind of stoked to see what Indy 5 is going to look like. And uh, it appears we'll get a first glimpse of that um, within the next month. So, yeah, super excited. Um, that being said, with that in mind... This past episode of Andor, the next one around the corner. Any last minute things you guys want to see? I hope we see some more Senate action. I know we're not going to get, or I mean, I don't know, but I feel like it'd be nice just to get at least one major character, at least reflecting on everything that's happened. But I, uh, I really think that uh, Andor and Luthen will will meet up and. And there'll be one other type of at least major action sequence. Obviously, it's kind of very broad, but knowing that there's a season two, I think a lot of the juicy stuff that connects to Rogue One will probably wait till till that. So just like yeah. after they broke out of the, or the, I think they did the Aldani, the heist, I feel like just right now, we, I have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, like who predicted that Andor was going to spend three episodes in a prison? Mm, yeah. Oh man, you know, yeah, exactly right. I know I definitely didn't see that coming. How cool would it be if season one ends with Mon Mothma being outed as being connected to the rebels? Maybe because, uh, maybe because she won't uh, have her daughter marry or court that the uh, the banker's kid. He'll like set it up where she's like that would be spicy, and then she's forced to go on the lamb, and that's how she's forced to leave the Senate. Mm-hmm. That would be a pretty doozy of a cliffhanger. <laughs> she gets outed and then boom, cut to black. Uh, that would be crazy. Palpatine would be very unhappy if uh, she left him yeah. being the Senate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Um, real quick, Blake, why should people join the, the Star Wars Escape Pod Discord? Because we have lots of fun chats and in there... Uh, we're constantly talking about our Star Wars Legos, and we always like to hear great stories about our favorite uh, Star Wars game character, Dash Randar. This is always a hot topic, and if you say anything about Dash Randar in there, I guarantee you our friend Phil will reply. Yeah, <laughs> he will reply. He's been on the show, he will reply, and he will be your friend for life. Hashtag Dash in fact, Randar. I think it'll be a lot of... I think it'd be a lot of fun if we made that a challenge for this week. Everyone needs, everyone should get in there and comment something about Dash Randar. If you feel you're tired of hearing about him, say that. Say why you dislike him. Say why he's the best. Say why you think that he should be Han Solo or maybe why the Solo movie should have been about him. Get in there and chat and I'm, I'm sure Phil will have a comment to reply. <laughs> yeah, a, great points to make. Yeah, if you're not familiar with Discord, 
Uh, we've made it pretty simple and easy to use. So it's free to sign up. And uh, the link is in every single podcast episode in the description. So make sure you check it out and join Star Wars Escape Pod. Join us on the Discord server. So, all right. Thanks for uh, joining the podcast. Blake, Kirk, we will see you in the next one. We'll see you out there. Keep flying. All right. A big thank you to our listeners for tuning in to Star Wars Escape Pod. Big thank you to Kirk. Big thank you to Blake, our co-host. And uh, thank you for tuning in wherever you are, in the car, on the walk with the dog. Uh, Maybe you're going to Luthens to shop for some exclusive goods. Who knows what? Uh, Maybe you're listening to us right now as you mosey around Galaxy's Edge. Uh, That would be absolutely amazing if any of you are listening to Star Wars Escape Pod in in uh, Star Wars land of all places. Amazing. Um, upcoming Star Wars content is, uh, I mean, well, we only got like two episodes left of Andor and then we'll be, uh, we'll be, we'll be going back to some what happened episodes on Star Wars Escape Pod. So make sure you tune in for those catching you up on character arcs across the Star Wars saga. Don't forget to tune into those Tales of the Jedi arcs as well that we hit recently. And, um, Join us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube with SWSK Podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on our YouTube channel, which is currently uploading every previous episode of the podcast. You can now reach us on YouTube. Drop a comment in the comments. We would love to get those comments going. Look for those snipped highlights in the Discord. Join the Discord server. Send us an email and a voicemail. And may the Force be with you. We'll see you in the next one on Star Wars Escape Podcast.